Hey there, and welcome to Busting Out of Breast Cancer, the show that has a straight talking about surviving and thriving breast cancer using the smile method. I'm Shannon Burroughs, your host for the show. I empower women to invest in their most valuable assets, their homes, health, and happiness. I found my purpose at the intersection of passion and pain while navigating my own breast cancer journey and became the person I couldn't find, a certified cancer exercise specialist. And I want to make sure I share all my expertise and knowledge with you to help you navigate your journey as well. Not to mention, there's a big gap between the medical and fitness industries that I am on a mission to fill. On this show, we share survivor stories and talk about thriving in life, not just surviving. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have the pleasure of talking with Jamie Sherlene. She's a thriver, speaker, author, and founder and designer of YDY Suites. And I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. She's got an amazing story, and I can't wait for us to find out all about her her company. It's so incredible. I love what she's doing right here. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Shannon. What you guys can't see is she's got this really adorable background and it's got this uh, crown above her head and it says she believed she could, so she did. And it is a, a very common saying that I feel like all of us thrivers kind of hang on to, right? Because we're just like, grab the bull by the horns and nothing can stop us. You got that right. Yeah. So welcome. Thank you for being here. And so please let's, uh, let's go ahead and share your story with our listeners so they can follow along, follow you, follow your journey and hear all about the amazing things that you're doing with your company. Thank you so much. So said I wear many hats. I am a thriver. I am a mom. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I started a clothing line specifically for sister breast cancer survivors. I wrote a book and thriving every day I can. That's amazing. I can't wait to hear about your clothing line, but first I want to hear about your diagnosis. Like when was your first diagnosis? What was your diagnosis and how did you come about getting that? Did you have a lump routine exam? Those kind of things. None of those things. So I actually had, I have a year journey to my diagnosis because in April of 2017, I was in a musical in a local community theater and my one peer, my one woman my age in the show with a bunch of teenagers encouraged me to get it. We talked about mammograms and she encouraged me to go. I had turned 40 and thought that seems sure. Good idea. I, I had no problem with it, but I just hadn't had it on the calendar and she was kind of like, go do that. So went, had a mammogram and there were suspicious spots. So I had a biopsy, so scared. And then it was calcifications. You're fine. I'm like, oh, great. But then they said, come back in a year. And I almost forgot because I wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't so we do. in my mind at all. It just was like, it was a thing and it was fine. So I went, I went on spring. I, nope, I had a sinus infection and I got checked out for my sinus infection in April or no, February. And as I'm checking out, I thought, Oh yeah, I was supposed to schedule that mammogram. <laughs> scheduled it then, went on spring break, came back and then had the mammogram. Fuzzy, have another mammogram. I'm like, oh, fine. And then, well, we saw something suspicious, but I still wasn't worried. It's funny because the first time I was worried and this time I thought, well, it was nothing before and had the biopsy. And then a day or two later, got the call from the nurse and I'm so sorry, it's cancer. So that was April of 2018. Things went slowly and quickly simultaneously after that. It was, you take two tests, wait a few days, take a test. Um, had it spread? Yes, it was in my lymph nodes. So that meant 
for sure chemotherapy. Um, I had genetic testing at the encouragement of, I think my surgeon, yeah, the surgeon. And I tested positive for the check two mutation, which there are a number of, you could have cancer in other places, but the one was having it in the other breast was 30%. And I thought, forget it. I just thought that's waiting. Like I'm just, that's not an if, that's just when it'll happen. Right. So I had decided on a double mastectomy then, just saying, no way, we're just doing both and decided against reconstruction and had the surgery, had a little time to recover, had um, five months of chemo, little break, six weeks of radiation. And then I was on a drug called Herceptin for maybe another nine months and things were looking good. And then I had my port out in September of 2019, thought things were good, just kind of living my best life for a while. And then in like fallish of 2020, started having some back problems, but didn't make any connections, started seeing a chiropractor regularly, helped and then did. And then went in for blood work and my oncologist asked how I was doing. I mentioned the back pain and he went into attack mode and started doing tests. And so I was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer in, I'm gonna, it's all a blur, but I'm gonna say May or June of 2021. Wow. And started treatment in July of 21. Wow, that is crazy. You did Tell all the th- you did all the things that you thought you were doing to, to prevent another reoccurrence. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. now yeah, I did. Wow. Sometimes. That is crazy. How are you feeling right now? I am okay. The cancer is spreading, so that's hard and trying to manage it, trying to work with my medical team. I still trust my medical team. I think they're great. I know they're one, doing their best. One day at and a time. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. So you're coming up on next month will be a year. Mm-hmm. It's wild. I That is just shocking to me that it's been that long because it seems like it wasn't that long ago that all of that started. But sometimes April's not really time a good month. is very weird. Right. I think especially since the pandemic, it's like, oh, that was yesterday. No, that was two months ago. And time is irrelevant in some way. Right. And it's like, it's funny. I actually Mm -hmm. went to the post office today and I was like, when was the last time I was actually in a post office? And then immediately you always, you're already, you're already taking off two years. Cause you're like, well, I'll say a year. Cause in Florida, we've pretty much been doing a lot of things for a long time, but like, realistically, let's just say you, you pretty much shave off a year or two years, depending on where you are of like, all right. Well, it's definitely been that long. So I'm like, okay, so prior to that, so like, wow, like three years, it might've been three years since I've been in a post office because everything has gone to delivery or online or whatever. It's kind of crazy mm-hmm. when you think back, mm-hmm. like I really felt like I was like in a Flintstone era, walking into a post office to mail a package. It was <laughs> so like weird. Mm-hmm. So crazy. But yes, time is. is time. I feel like there's times that it goes by so slow when you're going through all of this. And then there's times that it's like, it flies by. Like when you talk about you like first diagnosed in, you know, 2018, and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden fast forward, here you are. And we're in 2022. Like, I know. Mm-hmm. Boom. Done. Same. Yeah. So, um, you are a mom, you mentioned how old is your, do you have a son or a daughter or both? I have a 15 year old. Oh, wow. And 15 year old. He, and 17 year old day. Wow. So how has that been to navigate and go through this journey with them? 
sometimes more challenging than others. They have a history that I wish they didn't. So when I first was diagnosed way back in 2018, way back, I was cushioning that my brother had cancer in years ago and passed away. So I knew their frame of reference. I mean, they obviously know people who have right. cancer and live, but they also, they have Uncle Corey. And so I had to keep that in mind of what am I telling them? And and I felt lucky then because as far as my oncologist, it was, it was very treatable and like, not, you got this, it's easy, but you're in good shape. He felt very confident. We're going to do this and should be good. So that helped. And what was your original diagnosis? Invasive ductal carcinoma. Okay. And, you know, he thought the plan, and it's funny, the plan never changed. We met, I think, in June. Bam. The, the drugs, the time, even we're going to do dose dense AC and this and this and this. And to the letter, it did all the things he was going to do. I look back now and I look at my notebook from the June meeting and Never changed. Metastatic though, it is well west because it's more, it's kind of like, we're going to try this. We're going to try that. So that's been really different. Um, It's more severe. You know, anytime you have cancer and you have cancer again, that's scarier. Sure. So the the teens are doing okay, but. That's got to be really hard to navigate for them as teenagers as well, because being a teenager sucks to begin with. Um, but then you add on the stress of their mom going through metastatic cancer at this point. And right. so for you, that was what, 28, 29, 19, 20, 22. So your 15 year old was like 11 when you were first. Yeah, diagnosed? sounds about right. Yeah. Like 11, 13, fast forward to 15, 17. Yeah. So my daughter was yeah. nine. So she didn't really get it until I actually went in for my surgery. And then she was like, uh, and then now the older she gets, like, she really gets it and understands it now. So I always like, mm-hmm. I always try to ask like how I've asked my daughter if she'd be on my podcast because I wanted, I really do think it's important that kids can share their feelings and share their journey, you know, mm-hmm. of a parent going through cancer because it, I mean, it can certainly help other kids, but, um, so they're doing okay and they're helping you with everything and they're feeling pretty, pretty solid and confident and is your supporters. I try to really not lean on them. I don't, I I know everybody's different. I don't think it's fair. Like you said, it's hard enough being a teen. So I try really hard to hide a lot from them. Like if I'm having a bad day, like as much as I can, sometimes I can't, but as much as I can, and I am divorced from their dad. So I only see him every other week. So sometimes there've been times that's come in very handy because I've, I remember one of the worst weeks I had over the summer, they weren't here. And I'm so glad they didn't see me because I was like, could barely walk from, and I'm very high, way high energy person in my life usually. And from a bedroom to a master bathroom, like holding under the walls, they couldn't oh. walk and, and they were not here then. So yay. So yeah. Cause you don't want those, those visions stuck in their right. head for any reason, for any length of time. Exactly. So So I try, I really try to, I have a great support network and my friends and try really lean on them, lean on other people, like not lean on them. That's, I just, it's not my thing. I'm glad you just covered that because that was going to be my next question. Please tell me you at least have a really good solid support system. Oh, the best. My friends are good. Like people, people don't know. And then newer people might be in my life. And then they say, 
Oh, you weren't kidding. No, I really like my best friend. It's been years and she knew about my diagnosis, my first diagnosis before husband did. And she's just been by my side through it all and her and then other people. And then people surprise you and, um, I'll just, I don't know if you're going to ask this, but sometimes you're surprised the people that step up or people you don't think will step up. And then sometimes maybe somebody you think will step up doesn't. Exactly. And that's yep. a thing. It is definitely a thing. I went through it myself. I've had other thrivers that I've spoken with go through it. It is crazy. And it really goes back to that whole saying of people come in and out of your lives for either a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And I am blessed. Like I will say, I'm not blessed that I was diagnosed with breast cancer by any means, but I'm blessed with the people that I've met in my, like throughout my journey, whether it's my doctors, um, other thrivers being able to start this podcast and just kind of launch to have a platform because now I call them all my breasties. Like, I just love, like, I just feel like it's just a, it's a great connection. It's a great community and we all help you. We all help each other out, you know, no matter what. And it's just like, you don't even think about how long you've known someone. It's like, okay, so what do you need? How can I help you? How are you feeling? Da da da. Like it, we just go into like that mode, you know? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of being a mom is kind of instilled in us too, but I just feel like, you know, the, the empathy and whatever just is, it's unreal. I love it. So you have this YDY sweets, you do you sweets clothing company. Mm-hmm. Now, were you doing this? Were you, what were you doing um, prior to a diagnosis? For work. for work you mean mm-hmm. <laughs> that's irony i worked for the leukemia and still do for the leukemia lymphoma society so it's like all cancer all the time <laughs> so i'm non-profit work in blood cancer you, world you can't so, get away from that yeah mm-hmm. so campaign manager there and work from home i worked from home before it was cool and working from home for eight years and yeah, so I have zero background in the fashion world. I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to sew. Still don't know how to sew. I don't plan <laughs> to learn how to sew. I have no interest. And it started in that I, so I had my double mastectomy. I took the advice. I took a lot of advice from my medical team. Not that I didn't think for myself at all, but it was, you do this. You should meet a plastic surgeon. Okay. I met with a plastic surgeon. I still made the decision I made. I'm glad I met with her. And then you had the surgery. Oh, in, I don't know, four, six weeks, you can go get fitted for a prosthesis. I'm like, okay. Like, it was just like, that's what you do. Sure. Check the box. Check the box. Did that. Yeah. I wore them. I, for me, that was really helpful because I felt like it was like a transition for my body. Sure. Like, and I actually was hosting a drag show benefit. Mm, um, six weeks after my mastectomy, because that's the thing, the thing I would do. Why not? And, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? And I wore this beautiful purple sequin, like pretty like tank dress. And it, it would not have worked, I think, really without anything. So I wore my prosthetics and someone there who like friend I wouldn't even say fringe friend just not like super duper close I was like oh yeah like if you you didn't have your surgery like uh no they're gone like so in a way it made me feel good though I'm like oh like these prosthetics do their job like you had no idea so warm for a while what really turned that corner was radiation because I was good all of radiation it's weird I kept thinking am I not gonna have side effects yes you're gonna have side effects but mine came after, and I'm so glad my radiation oncologist warned me of that because 
I had had none. And she said, oh, yeah, sometimes they hit like 10 days later. Oh, yeah, about a week later. Skin was on fire. Like, Ooh. whoa. So I couldn't wear. It was like definitely not prosthetics. I was wearing like the biggest, t- biggest T-shirty thing that I could wear and just slather aloe and then lotion and back and forth. And I had to go to the store and I thought, I'm not putting on a prosthetic on top of this. No, and because I had, they're all very different. I joked it was my, no offense, I'm not saying ageism, but I said it, my old lady mom bra. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. It was like the largest coverage bra I'd ever had in my life. And then heavy, the inserts were really heavy. So this is not comfortable. Like on a typical day, maybe fine, but not on top of that. So I just went to the store and felt pretty self-conscious and thought, oh, is nobody noticing this or does nobody care? Like, why do I care? And then I started just trying on my clothes and a lot didn't fit right because most women's clothing are made for breasts and was frustrated and tried to find some things, but I would try on, I'd go to thrift shops. I love thrift shops. And I mean, I'd try on like 50 things and like three things worked. I'm like, well, at least there's that. But did the search, is there, so, is there something for us? I mean, I knew we had prosthetics and they're different things, but are there clothes? No. And I did some poll on a closed Facebook group like, hey, what do you think about a clothing line for us? And people just blew it up and I thought, okay, maybe I'll try this. That's how it started. And I met with a lot of people. I learned a ton. Met with some clothing, clothing designers where I live. I live in Wisconsin and met with some clothing designers. I met with a like fashion marketing person at the local college. I met with someone else and every person I met with was just super sweet, helpful and like, oh, you should look into this and then let's look into this. And I just kept going and ended up working with a very dear friend. Her name is Heather, in case she ever hears this. She is an amazing seamstress and she made my prototype. And then I worked with someone in the local college to find a pattern maker. So to go from the prototype to a pattern, so then the pattern could be reproduced. And that was how it happened. Just like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took a while. I mean, just like that was a while. <laughs> and I probably, I think I started the thinking about it in spring 2019. I was ready to launch in March of 2020. I had a photo shoot with like my signature piece, full photo shoot, March 7th, ready to go. The proofs were amazing. And then for here, it was March 16th was bam. And I'm like, I can't launch a clothing line right now. We're global pandemic. Nobody's, we're wearing yoga pants. This isn't working. So I waited till September and then I thought, forget it. Like who knows how long this is going on and whatever. And some people were going back to work. So I just pick September to launch because I was tired of, I mean, I was like, I'd been ready to go for six months. Right. You just got to rip the bandaid off and go. So, yeah. so how many pieces do you have? About, so I have three different, so there's a tunic. The initial one was a tunic. And then I added sleeves to that tunic because people wanted sleeves. And then another, a ruffle, like off the shoulder piece. So minimal pieces, but then lots of different so the initial was completely custom. So it was, do you want, because I was make they were being made one at a time. So you order one, that one's made for you. And because there was, there was no, I'm going to build an inventory with no money. Right. <laughs> I had no investor. <laughs> I'm the investor who's broke. And <laughs> so it was one at a time. So I even gave them a choice. It was like, do you want an abstract print? Do you want a solid? Do you want, I think it was like 
abstract solid floral or something like that. Gave him a couple options that would go, go get the, go get the fabric. And then I worked with the pattern maker and said, here you go. So it was a bit of a process. It was slow, but it was, I think I tried to be very upfront. Like this is how this is working. This is not, I'm not having it go to a warehouse and sent to you. So, right. but all things considered, I think it was pretty quick. You know, like I would get the fabric the next day. I'd probably see the pattern make within a few days. She'd have it done in a day or two or three. And that's awesome. And then ship her away. That's awesome. Um, I had interviewed Tracy Stewart on my podcast and she's the boobless thrifter for those of you that have not heard that episode. And that is actually the episode you heard. Um, yes, it is. And got you to be a guest on the show as well, which I'm super excited about, but I just love how you guys have gone the non-traditional way of like, screw this. I'm going flat. I don't need boobs. Like they're just a thing, Mm -hmm. but she goes to the thrift shop and makes clothes. You've gone ahead and just said, you know what? I want to create a clothing line because I've realized that it's frustrating, you know, to find, not be able to find clothes. So I think that's amazing. Thank you very much. Now, do you ever, I know that you're with leukemia society, but like, Mm -hmm. Do you ever um, use one of your pieces of clothing as like a donation item for breast cancer locally as like a donation item? I have a couple times. I haven't been asked much. And I also haven't just worked that hard on it. Again, just still so much of this time being pandemic-y time has been right. weird. But yeah, I've donated a couple pieces and I'm willing to do that for sure. Good. So if there's anybody that has a a uh, nonprofit that would like to have a piece, they can go ahead and contact you. Of course, I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where does one find your beautiful um, articles of clothing? If you go to ydysweets.com, that is the site. So it's just Y-D-Y-S-W-E-E-T-S.com. And it's really become a much bigger site now because I did write a book. And so you can find ways to get my book and then my podcast appearance. I feel like people want to know if you want to hear me on a podcast, I have a list of that. And then I also actually one page tab is outfits to inspire. Meaning that I really found I'm glad I started the line and it's a great option, but I also, I have been able to find lots of pieces. So I'll, I have a few pictures of myself and then other survivors and it even a picture saying this dress, white house black market limited something and someone wants to go find it go ahead you know like oh nice mine, i'm not the only idea and then i have a blog a full blog which that just kind of organically happened and some of it there are actually clothing tips there and so another sister survivor and i wrote one together and it was this is what you look for and try this and try these patterns and this fit and a couple entries there and then a whole bunch i don't know how many of I called, it was just a series choosing flat. And I had the same questions for every person, but it was, why did they, why did they make that choice? Mm -hmm. And it runs the gamut. So if somebody is in that decision-making time, maybe it would help them to read it and read a few of them. Because again, the reasons I made my decision are going to be different, all different for three other people and how they made theirs. Right. How'd you make the decision? How has it affected your life? Are you happy? You know, would you do anything differently? What have you learned? Stuff like that. I don't remember. Which is also important because like you said, like your reasons will be different than someone else's and and so on and so forth all down the line. But it's such a major decision. Like all of these decisions we have to make throughout this journey are major decisions. You know, do you want to do the reconstruction? Do you want to just go flat? Do you want to just wear prosthetics? Like 
all mm-hmm. there's so many major decisions that have to be made. And then you're like, but I'm going to make this decision. It's going to be like a forever decision, right? Like, ugh. sort of, right. I did found out I do. And I am not, I don't tell people to do. It's not worth it. But I remember the plastic surgeon I met with had said, you could go flat and you could be completely fat. And if you decide you want to do implants, you can do those later. I thought, oh, okay. So I feel like. And vice versa. None of it's really forever, forever, but it is, it sets you down a path. That's for sure. Right. It's it's a different path if I had done immediate or delayed reconstruction versus, oh, five years later, let's do construction. Those would all have been different scenarios. So correct for sure. Trust me, I'm sitting here, I'm coming up on five years this September and I obviously still have no feeling in my chest and I get annoyed because they're just hard. There's no, there's nothing that feels like they're real boobs. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's times that like, when I talk to you or I talk to Tracy or I've talked to Christine Handy, who's been on here as well, who she is actually create. I don't know if you know, Christine, but, um, I don't, what's the last name Handy. She's on, uh, she's on another episode that I did, but she is not ringing a bell, but it, I could totally know her and just not yeah, be there. She's on Instagram, but she is a huge advocate for other thrivers and she went flat and is designing a swimwear line. For, oh, amazing. Yes. I definitely got that. Why don't you do swimsuits? I'm like, nope, I'm going to save that for somebody else. Right. <laughs> We're going to just do some, some clothes. And I was like, I am not diving into to swimsuits. So that's amazing. I'm glad yeah. Christine can run with it. Yeah. You know what I did see though? Cause I've never seen anyone with um, bathing suit line for someone that's gone through mastectomy because the, it is a completely different feel and fit and whatnot. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I saw it at Bell's outlet once of mm. all places, right? Crazy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what do we need? We need to get you an investor to, to, to grow your line or what? I wouldn't turn it away, but I'm, I'm having so much fun. I'm really wanting to focus on my book. Okay, I, because good. I feel like my book can appeal to every, literally everybody. What's the name of your book? It's called From Queens to Queens, How the Madison Drag Community Saved My Life. And I mean, my clothing line, it's truly, it's a niche of a niche of a niche. You know, it's, you have to, you know, you're probably going to be flat and then this and then this and then this and then this. So it's, it's a very small market and I know that. Whereas my book, it's going through adversity and people can, is about cancer, but so someone who been through cancer, you know, maybe going to relate more, but it's, you went through some adversity and how'd you get through it? And then also, if you're just fascinated at all about the world of drag performers, you have that. Tell me about that. Um, I came in, I'd never seen an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race four years ago. I I knew what drag was. I knew it existed as an art form and then end up meeting a friend who happened to be a queen. And then I kind of met through the back door. Like I met people completely in their male presenting states and turned out, oh, these are my friends. Oh, and they do drag. And so I have a unique entry point that way. And for me, it's just so much, it's joy. And that community, I went through, I went through the end of a marriage as well. So if you want, that's in the book. So a lot of people can relate to that. And was that divorce that because of your cancer? Just ish, sort okay. of, but not really. Maybe a little, but not a hundred percent. And saw the broke camel's back. Just he made a choice that I wasn't okay with. I'm gonna spoil it. 
and that community was just there for me at this extremely low time in my life. And That's awesome. I don't know, just going and I'm very, I'm a musical person. So it's almost like watching mini musicals. All, to me, yeah. that's how I see it. I'm like, oh, they're on stage and they're, yeah, they're lip syncing and some do live singing and the costumes and the makeup and the hair. And it's so beautiful to me. And then getting to know them as actually friends when I have no hair, not feeling great. Not like I have no hair. I have my boobs. I got marriage that's imploded and they're there. Hey, fabulous. Hey, gorgeous. And just loving on you. And right. this like envelopment of kindness and love and welcoming and acceptance is just incredible. And that's all you want going through that. I mean, at any time, everyone just wants to feel loved True. and accepted, but right. Yeah, going mm -hmm. through it, your, your deepest and darkest point in life. It's, it's mm -hmm. definitely nice to have that amazing yeah. support system the so joy and the love well that's it was exciting I love really that just like a love letter to them because hey thanks for being there for me let's tell everybody it's a, and it's a play on words i was i lived the first seven years of my life in queens new york so it was from queens to right queens and, whoop, and then the but then you've also lived in florida because prior did. to us hitting recording you were telling me how you lived in florida yeah, so my dad worked for IBM, which was a joke that people said he worked for Ivan Moved. So he <laughs> he worked in New York, thought I don't know what happened there, and then they transferred him to Florida for only four years, and then we moved to New York again, but more upstate. So I was in New York most of my life until until Wisconsin. Now Wisconsin has eclipsed New York by a bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's exciting. But most of my life had been. In most of my growing up was New York, just in two different places. Where in upstate New York? If people know, the smallest I go is Binghamton. It's the southern tier. It's really close to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Like you could be that flat, again, the southern tier, flat part of the state, 15 minutes and you're in, you're in Pennsylvania. So for a New York person, they probably would not call that upstate because there's a lot of state, but if people think, oh, there's the city and everything else is upstate. So I was, I grew up in East Aurora outside of Buffalo. Ah, I went to school in Geneseo for a couple of years. All right. Of Rochester. We have a lot of passing connections. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, I was at Geneseo for two years before I transferred to Wisconsin. And now here we are. We're crossing paths again as drivers. Absolutely. Yep. I love how the world works. It's pretty it cool. It is so cool. I love making connections with people and, and I love I love that I've lived so many places. If they give this instant you just even just to talk about it. And I live right. I lived in San Francisco Bay Area for a couple of years. So if I was that I lived there too after college. That's awesome. You've lived on every part of the country. Except for the southwest. So it's been nor you know, sort of northwest ish, but west coast. <laughs> Northeast, Southeast, Midwest. The only one is, the only one's the Southwest. East Coast, West Coast. That's right. So how are you feeling now? It has been lovely chatting with you. I feel great right now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Truly. I just, yeah, I really do love connecting with people and talking and just making connections. And I am, I want to say one day at a time, but really because of, everything in my life right this second it's really a few hours at a time so it's like what do i have right now in the morning what do i have in the afternoon and i'm yep. still working full-time i plan to work full-time as till i can't 
and it is remote. So I, I know I am fortunate there. I, Very. I think a lot about, I think about, man, someone in my shoes who's single mom. I am not a single mom. I am a solo mom sometimes, but their dad is in the picture very much. And single mom, someone working in a restaurant, good luck. Like I, I can't even understand no. their, their path. So I know that I am fortunate to say, and they're I'm going to answer too. emails. And if I want to, if I want to sit on the couch and answer emails for a day, that's what I'm going to do. That's what you're I'm me. allowed to do. <laughs> I'm allowed to do it and still get paid. And I know that is a privilege that I have. So I try to be grateful, grateful for, that. for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you can do, right? Be grateful for the moments that you have, be in the moment that you are in and just kind of roll with it. I've mm -hmm. realized that after a diagnosis that you have to really kind of step back and be like, I don't, I don't really think that I'm supposed to be in charge of everything. So just nah. slow your roll. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times I look at my phone, I'm dealing with this later. I can talk to you later. This is not right now. Yep. Yes. Lots of boundary setting. It's a healthy lesson. It really is. And it's unfortunate it that we have to wait so long in life. Like I just turned 50 last week. No, two weeks. What is today? Two, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, March 3rd. Belated and, uh, wishes. Thank you. You're welcome. And it does. You, I, there's, I said to my friend that day, I was like, I don't know. There's something about turning 50 that like, like, I don't feel old. It's just mm -hmm. a feeling that I have that I'm like, I really don't give a shit about a lot of things anymore <laughs> mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. cancer and aging. I'm like, eh, the amount nope. that I care about this, not much. Not yeah. much at all. That <laughs> went down about that much. <laughs> yeah. Very much that. So if, are you going to be coming up with another um, piece of clothing anytime soon? Honestly, probably not. Okay. I, I am debating about a second book. So I have a number of people that are like, when's your next one? When's your next one? I'm like, I don't know. A book's a lot of work. So I am letting that roll around yep. and it's a possibility. I just don't know. I wrote my book in the pandemic, as I said, you know, it's, I said social or high energy, but I am a very high extrovert. And so that is why my book exists really, because it was, oh, every other week, it was every week of your, every other week of your kids. And that's, that's a whole different life. I mean, you're with sure. them all the time again. That was a wild time. But then the other week it was like, you can't see anybody. You can't see your friends. I was single at the time. So nobody into that. Okay. So I just worked till five o'clock. What, what, what do I do the rest of this day? And having, you know, the one thing that can really feed an extrovert, I couldn't have. It's like, you cannot see people and fill up the way you need to. Right. <laughs> just, I'm ridiculously stubborn sometimes. I'm like, fine, I guess I'll write my book. Like I had started it just a little months earlier, not really knowing I'd do it. And then, yeah, it's like, fine, I'll write my book. So I would work all day and you know, maybe go for a walk, do some things and then just hunker. And I just typed and typed and typed and typed. But now I can see people. I'm, I don't have to be home alone all the time. So like all the times I'm like, well, I could write. Yeah, but I can also do 15 other things I'd rather do. Right. So uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, that's one thing I do regret. I wish, I mean, I don't live my life with regrets. I, I shouldn't say that. One thing I wish I had done was sit down and write my book during the pandemic it was a perfect time. But 
at that time, I also created um, a couple online courses for thrivers to navigate their, you know, through their journey and their diagnosis with different exercises, lymphedema, lymphatic drainage exercises. I created those courses and then I ripped off the Band-Aid and decided to start this podcast. So I kind of- I mean, you really wrote a book like in a different way. So right, kudos to you. It's just not, it's just not in a, in a paperback with a binding. (laughs) Right. Yes. But a feet and a half, nonetheless. I'm like too ADD to just sit down and write a book. I'd be like, can I? It was hard. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was like by the end of it, I thought I, I was so ready. I'm like, here, just, I take it. I'm like, I don't want to edit anymore. I, I was so over it by the end. That's awesome. It actually came out. So everyone can find your book from Queens to Queens, and they can also visit your website, ydysweets.com, so they can check out your blogs, your other podcast episodes, your clothing line, and so many other amazing things um, about you. So that's awesome. I'll make sure I put that into the show notes and all of, and also your social media handles. We'll put that in there also. Thank you. Excellent. And um, yeah, that's going to be amazing. So what's one piece of advice that if you had to only give one piece of advice, you can give two if you would like, but if there's one piece of advice that you would like to pass on to somebody listening, whether they are newly diagnosed or they're going through treatment now, or maybe they haven't been diagnosed and they're a friend who mm. is a friend of somebody who's been not diagnosed. Okay. I am going to go too, because like that's two different camps. So for right? all the newly diagnosed maybe getting diagnosed, all of that, I would just say, it's so cliche, but really one day at a time and lean on whoever, I would say, I don't know how to say it, lean on who is going to allow you to lean on best. I know that's hard. Like if you lean on someone and like they're, they can't, like they can't do it. They don't know what to say. They're, they're not helpful. Try to give them some grace if you can. You can be mad and do whatever you want. But then if there's someone, and even if it's someone unexpected, if someone else is really like there for you and letting you lean on them the way you need, dig in, let them. And a friend gave me an amazing piece of advice actually just this year because I am, I already said stubborn. I am fiercely independent and it was really hard to accept to help. So, Mm -hmm. and her words were, let people, they love you, let them love you. I was like, okay. And I repeat that to myself a lot. Knowing that if they want to help you, they want to help you. Correct. It's almost, if you don't let them, it's like you're blocking them from, from loving you. It's like offensive. Little, I mean. Right. I get it. Because I'm the same way. It's so hard. It's so So hard. So I recognize that. It's taken years. And I'm still like baby steps like i'm driving myself to and coming from chemo all the time which i mostly do and it's fine but certain things just like all right this and know your body like if you yeah. can this is too far except the help and if you can do this and you don't need the help and you want to be independent i don't have a i don't say don't be independent still great but let people love you for a friend if at all possible and this is a fine line is to let your friend who is either maybe diagnosed or newly diagnosed or whatever, let them lead because you might think you know how to help them. You might just like dive in and what you're doing is not helpful. So if at all possible, even to say, and you could sometimes the blanket, what can I do is awful because they're like, I don't know. And so you could, you know, 
can I bring you a meal? Yes or no. Almost like simple. Would you like a meal? Would you like me to sit with you? Would you like this? And then, and then depending on how all that's going, how can I help you might be vague and okay, but just to like, I'm going to do this. If that's not helpful to them, you're not helping them. So I definitely, it's been interesting to me finding the things that have been helpful and the things that haven't like someone, and I won't even put ideas in people's heads because it doesn't matter because everyone's different. Everyone's different. So someone did something for me and thinking that did not help me at all. That actually really bothered me and made me kind of mad and like, no, thanks. So being able, and, and now I feel like I can say a kind or gentle way of like, or just being more upfront and for me it's been years so i could say this would be good you could do this or not that but yeah so to try and at all possible let the person lead how they want your support and do your best to support them the way they want to be supported even if it's not what you think maybe like if you were in their shoes you might want so something totally different but it's it's their shoes it's their journey that was great pieces of advice um those of you that are listening you can probably hear my dog sneezing and talking and i apologize but bella's here with us and bella thought that those were great pieces of advice as well thanks bella (laughs) those are really good pieces of advice and you know what like i love that you say let them lead but on the flip side of that too is like sometimes they don't know what they don't know so like you said just asking like the simple questions like can I bring a meal? Yes or no? Because maybe they're hungry. Maybe they're not, you know? Right. And sometimes they don't need anything. Sometimes they just, just come sit, just come mm-hmm. sit with me and mm-hmm. watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And how about you just come and we don't even talk about cancer today at all. Not in yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I had some kind of timer. I'm so sorry. I don't even know why I had that for. That's like, Hey, we keep it real and raw <laughs> around here. We got Bella. We got time. Turned off. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Because you just, and it can change from day to day. Maybe right. there's a stretch that you need food and then it's my fridge is full. My freezer's full. Don't, don't anybody give me any more food. Like, right. I can't, I can't take any more food. I appreciate it. But for this reason, or no you can't food. even eat your treatment. Might or be that you exactly. Can't you can't even eat. So food is not helpful to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. So yes, let them lead. Let them right? lead. Mm-hmm. Well, this conversation has been amazing and I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you and your time and everything that you're doing to give back to other thrivers. I cannot wait to check out your line at ydysweets.com and also go ahead and follow you on all your handles, Instagram, Facebook, all of that, right? Mm-hmm. All and that'll all be in the show notes for you. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to check out Jamie's book from Queens to Queens. That's on Amazon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Perfect. That will put that show note. We'll put that link in the show notes as well. And uh, it has been an extreme pleasure. Thank you so, so much. Feeling is mutual, Shannon. Thank you. Thank you. And I wish you the best in your health through this the second journey that you're on right now. And um, all I can, all I can do is just pray for you and wish the best for you and enjoy each day in each moment that you have. Right. Yes. Well said. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this week's episode has somehow changed your life with a smile. If you're looking for guidance through your breast cancer journey, including your recovery, but don't know where to start, let's chat. Also, if you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, know someone who would be a great guest or have topic ideas, email me at smile at Until next week, live well, laugh often, and love much.